Jesus prays for all his followers and all those who will believe through them. This passage is a fitting culmination to his earthly ministry and leads on to the cross. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that they have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I really have to check next week's Gospel before I say anything because if you may recall last week, I kind of gave my spiel or sprocka about what ascension was. And then lo and behold, we have the reading for the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. So I kind of stole my own thunder. So in any event, um, we'll have to try to come up with something about that. But I'm going to talk today about the ascension. And, you know, when you kind of read about it in scripture and almost the way that the church presents it, it seems as though it's almost like a footnote. You know, it's almost as though it's some sort of, let's just get Jesus off the stage, you know, so that like in a Moliere comedy, we can change the scene and get rid of him so that we can get ready for the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost or Whitsunday. And it's even to the point that since we celebrate it 40 days after Easter, then it's on a Thursday, 
And a lot of churches aren't going to either heat or cool their church and burn the candles and do all of that. So they say, ah, we'll put it on the Sunday afterward. And so it seems like there's this gradual diminution of the importance of the ascension. That it's almost a, you know, I, I have this image in my mind of, remember Carol Burnett sweeping the stage at the end of her show, almost sweeping the spotlight off the stage. Okay, Jesus is gone, we're gonna hunker down, the spirit's gonna come, and then the church is gonna get started. So let's just get through this Sunday. But there's a lot more to what the ascension is about. I said before that ascension is puzzling. Because, remember, we live on a sphere. We live on a ball. And so when it says, Jesus went up into the clouds, there's really no up. You know, up from the point of view of, I guess, Mount Olivet in Palestine, outside Jerusalem. But that would kind of be down from the perspective of Shanghai, China. You know, so there's no real up from a sphere. There's out, there's away from the center, but literally no up. And then we also know, okay, so he goes into the clouds and then what? Through the stratosphere. Then we know about our solar system and the Milky Way and so forth. Like how far out would Jesus be traveling in space? Would he have warp speed and travel at the speed of light and so forth? And the more we think about it, the more puzzling that it becomes. I think rather what the Ascension is telling us is that this is instead of heaven as up there and earth as down here and hell like way down there, I think we're talking in terms of the order of existence. You know, there was something like Porphyry's ladder that had, you know, rocks and land exist, but they're not alive. Or we have trees that are alive, so they must be higher than rocks, but they don't move. And so then we have above trees would be the animals that certainly are alive and move, but they don't have free will. They are bound by instinct. And then above animals would be man, humanity, men and women, because we are in the image and likeness of God. And notice how we can't avoid above, 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 but obviously, we're not above trees. They're much taller than we are. Instead, it's a higher order of existence. There is the realm that is divine from which God dwells and sent his son to the realm in which we live and move and have our being, this earthly realm. But I mean, really, 
if everything happened up in the sky, up in the heavens, we wouldn't know anything about the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, because it would have been up there, we're down here. Instead, the God of Israel has decided to make his realm, his dwelling among us. That's why we say in the creed, he came down from heaven and dwelt among us. The divine wishes to become part of our human realm. And that's why we can experience transcendence and divine moments in our relationships, in our moments. It can be elevated from what is banal or ordinary, and we can have a moment when the veil slips and we see that brilliant light of the divine enter into our life, our being, our time. And so if that's the case, the ascension is an intrinsic and an important part of the life and ministry of Jesus, the incarnate word. Because first of all, incarnation means that the divine, that mystery that calls us into existence, became human. And so therefore, that magnificent power of love and primal mystery chose to share our dwelling with us and live among us in our society, in our dwelling, and to journey along with us. In that way, humanity became elevated because it absorbed the divine. By God wanting to be human, somehow our humanity was elevated, made more noble. I mean, he didn't become a porpoise. I mean, he didn't become an octopus or a dog. He chose to be human, to share our life and our relationships. And yet, he died, or he rather absorbed death into himself. He accepted the human condition to the degree that he even accepted the punishment or the result of our disobedience to him and absorbed into him the sting of death and transformed it into abundant life. That was the cross and the empty tomb. But while divinity became human, now what had to happen is humanity must become divine. And so therefore, at the ascension, the divine who became human returned 
to the divine realm and elevated our humanity. Irenaeus is often quoted as saying, the glory of God is a human fully alive, that God became human so we could become divine. And so therefore the ascension is the divinity returning to the divine realm and bringing with divinity humanity. Now we all know that Jesus saved us by his sacrifice on the cross. But as a boy, I always used to wonder, you know, what's that mechanism? Because isn't that what all adolescents wonder? What is exactly the soteriological mechanism of the crucifixion? But, I mean, we were always taught that Jesus' sacrifice saved each one of us from our particular existential situation. That my cross is different from your cross. That you could probably shoulder my cross very easily like Simon the Cyrene, but my cross seems to be that which would be bringing death and emptiness. And then I was like, okay, well, suppose you have somebody who's a meth addict. I mean, obviously they need to be saved from that addiction, but I mean, Jesus wasn't on the cross taking meth and nailing it to the cross, or some people who experience the death of a relationship, the failure of a marriage. Jesus was never married, so how could his sacrifice on the cross save that particular individual from that particular individual's cross. And I think we return to the original idea of incarnation and ascension. That yes, the divine, that proto-historical mystery, that transcendence in our life, that something we can't see, hear, or touch, but we know always journeys among us and somehow brought us into existence, became human. Became human. Not that particular Jesus of Nazareth, not that individual, but he took on human nature. The divinity absorbed into himself our alienation from each other, our confusions, our search for meaning, the real deep pit of the stomach, what it means to be alive, absorbed that into himself, our human nature. So when we comfort one another, even though we have not experienced that particular grief, we can still be present to one another because we resonate with one another as people. We can bear each other's burdens. 
we can carry each other's joys, we can celebrate with each other because we are all commonly human. And it is that which the Word took upon himself and therefore elevated to divinity when the Word returned to the realm of the divine. So Jesus does indeed save us all by elevating our common humanity not into what is common but ennobles us because of that we are able to achieve noble and great things because we have become divine in our nature we're able to participate with God in the unfolding kingdom that is among us. We become partners with the divine in reconciling the world to himself in completing the work Jesus did on the cross. And so after the ascension, after the word returns to the realm of the divine, we wait for the mission, the divine mission that will enable us as newly divinized humans to be full partners with the redemption of the world by God's will. And we call that Pentecost. So ascension, no, it's not Carol Burnett sweeping the stage, get Jesus off the stage so we can make room for the spirit in the church. Instead, the ascension is a fundamental part in fact, a fulfillment of the incarnation of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen.